Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Jeffrey Welsh, who during his near-death experience encountered God in heaven, and today we're going to learn about it. Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Jeff. I can't, uh, can't thank you enough for having me on here just to, to be able to share this story. All right, Jeffrey, if you don't mind, can we start on the day that it happened and go from there? Yes. As uh, I'm uh, near 60 years old now, this happened when I was 19 years old in the year of uh, 1981. And I had uh, recently graduated high school. Uh, with a short background, our f- family situation was dysfunctional at best. Um, Mom was a great person, very uh, intellectual uh, in the medical field, decided to stay home and raise children. Uh, she had a bad back and was prescribed pres- prescription drugs. And in doing so, she became addicted to those drugs. And then some years later, after my birth, uh, she also um, became addicted to alcohol. So I had this great mother in the evenings. Uh, she was intoxicated in the mornings. She was okay. This is the life I knew from uh, since I can remember, say, three years of age to uh, 18 years of age throughout my high school uh, career. So mom was becoming uh, closer to uh, death herself. She she looked uh, withdrawn. She looked shrunken. She, the head was hanging low all the time. And this uh, beautiful person I knew was... Uh, probably facing death soon. So mom and dad tried to work things out. They'd get back together, moved again. We moved multiple times uh, because of this and some because of dad's businesses. And uh, mom suffered. Uh, my brother is older. He became a doctor, uh, six years older. My sister, a year and a half older. She moved out to go to college. And so it was just my mom and I on this uh, large uh, farm property. And so I feared daily that uh, she wasn't going to make it. But anyway, I, w- I would buy and sell cars, motorcycles, and such to uh, help the family, which is cost of living. Dad actually paid all the bills. He did not supply extra money, maybe for the reasons of addiction. I don't know. But he was 100% supportive, did not have the answer to, to help mom. So mom was in my prayers uh, multiple days. Uh, I suffered a little bit from depression of such for my entire life enjoyed riding motorcycles. So this particular spring morning, uh, 1981, I had a motorcycle. I was getting ready to sell that evening to a guy. And I thought, you know what? The county next door has a lot of hills and it's wooded. It's beautiful. I think I'll take another ride, you know, before I sell the motorcycle. So it was early morning. uh, So I took off and about 45 minutes later, I decided to come back from this wonderful drive. I did not wear a helmet as I wanted, you know, the breeze in my hair and the, uh, the, to be able to smell the fragrances of nature and enjoy the, the sun in the morning sun. So uh, not afraid of speed whatsoever. Uh, our driveway was long. It was double wide, went around the lake before it came back to the house. So I thought, you know what, this is a fast racing type street bike. I'm, I'm going to have fun, you know, and just open the throttle up as, as fast as it would go. And so I did. I had a rolling start of about 30 miles an hour coming into the, the wide entrance. So I opened the throttle up all the way and Going on the straightaway, I estimate I was doing right at 100 miles an hour. My my eyes were crying tears horizontally because of the, the force of the wind. And I could hear the trees making a swooshing sound going by and the racing engine was roaring. And the driveway had kind of a slick surface from being uh, seal coated over the years. And it was going to go to a downhill uh, and then right-hand curve. So I slowed down. Probably I wasn't looking at the speedometer. I couldn't at this point you know, because I was going so fast. And about this time, I thought, I recalled a t-shirt of a sprint car racing uh, owner gave me, and it said, uh, faster and faster until the thrill of speed overcomes the fear of death. Well, that wasn't a good shirt for me to have, you know, with my mind sitting on this motorcycle. And I had no fear of anything. I thought, you know, I was indestructible at that point. So knowing that there wasn't any traffic on this private driveway, I entered that curve, almost scraping my right knee on the 
ground to lay it down and then it would sort of slide because it had the slick surface on it. And then after the curve, it would straighten up at a very steep uphill. And at the top of the hill, I thought I'd hit the throttle again and ride a wheelie down the hill, which was a, a long straightaway on the other side. So as I'm approaching this hilltop, probably 80 some miles per hour, getting ready to hit the top of the hill. It was, it was a blind hill. I couldn't see over it. All of a sudden, there was a old blue Chevrolet pickup truck coming head on towards me. And I was out of control, just barely straightened the bike up, going 80 some miles an hour too, too fast for the property. I should have been doing about 20. And um, this truck was there. And I thought the only thing I had time to do was, was to pray. And it was, it was a short prayer. And I just said, Lord, help me. Because I knew that I would be out of control and not be able to stop the motorcycle in the time that I saw this truck at the very top of the hill ridge. And so leaning toward, towards the right, I didn't think I could turn more right without sliding underneath the truck and losing control of the bike. So that wasn't an option. And I, the last split second, I thought I can turn to my other side left, lean the bike over and head towards the ditch with trees. I had big rocks and trees and I definitely would have been hurt but at least not by an oncoming vehicle. So I was going to lessen the impact. I, I was uh, fairly certain I wasn't going to survive, you know, at this point. So my life did flash before my eyes. It was sort of in reverse order, sort of like right now, going back to when I was a child. It's so split second quick. It was uh, black and white. I didn't think much of it. At the time, I couldn't. So here I was straighten, straightening this motorcycle up, and I thought I'm going to head towards the outside. Well, Little did I know the guy in the pickup truck. I finally realized it was the truck of my soon-to-be uh, brother-in-law. They nicknamed him in his family in a loving way, Bonehead. And it, it was somewhat appropriate. And I thought, oh, no, it's Bonehead. So I tried, to, I tried to dodge towards the ditch. And then Bonehead, his name was Scott, he actually turned towards the ditch, too. To, he was thinking the same thing. He would rather crash his truck in the ditch than hit me on the motorcycle head-on. My face was about the height of the, this old uh, truck hood. It was a 1960 five model trucks somewhere in there. So knowing that he went to the outside, I went to the outside, zero time was left. I was going to hit the truck. No way to get around it now. Um, so at the time of the impact, I thought, well, the only thing I can do now is jump with both my feet, push up with both my arms so that I can get up and over the hood, at least not hit the hood. So as soon as the motorcycle touched the truck, had the impact, it was huge squealing sounds from both vehicles. And, uh, you know, at, the, at this point, uh, I knew it was over. So I, I looked down, I don't know why I looked down, but I was watching as I was jumping up and over the hood, I could see the motorcycle being crumbled into this heavy bumper and grill of this old pickup truck, just being smashed and parts exploding everywhere. So I'm looking down and that's my last memory. I see the hood of the truck and then the next memory of a spiritual nature, if you will, that was my last uh, conscious memory. And then of the spiritual nature, God caught me at this moment. I did hit my head according to the witnesses on the top of the truck when it had kind of a heavy brow or rain gutter that the older vehicles used to have for rain to drip off. I hit my head there. I don't remember hitting my head. I'm just going by the story. And they said that in their rear view mirror, they saw me catapult and flip several times in the air until I landed maybe three truck lengths behind them, my motorcycle in front of them. At this moment, I felt the presence of God cradle me. It's almost like holding a, a baby in your arms, you know, in a cradle. And I, I was carried. And at this, I, I could hear the birds hush their singing at this point. And don't ask me how I heard birds, because again, I think this is a spiritual memory. Because with all that crash noise, I didn't hear any birds, you know, when, when I was uh, conscious and alive. So in this cradle moment in God's arms, the birds hush their singing. And I hear what sounds like an orchestra. It sounds similar to Amazing Grace, but it was not Amazing Grace. So I hear this short song. But then I'm placed into my body, which is several truck lengths behind the crash scene, placed into my lifeless body on the ground. So I'm laying there on the pavement, top of the hill. And at that point, I, f I feel my spirit, my, my, my soul, if you will, set up 
from my body. My body remains lying there. So I sit up as, a, as my soul, however you want to look at it, and then turn around. I'm not really touching the ground. I'm, I don't want to say hovering or levitating. I don't like either one of those words, but I'm not touching the ground. And I turn around, and I look at my body. I see my sister. I see my brother-in-law. They're, they're at the scene. My brother-in-law's yelling, you know, no, God, no, God, no, it can't be, you know, just screaming top of his lungs. My sister is crying and screaming and frantic. And uh, I just turned around and looked at myself. I cannot believe this is the way it's going to end for my life. What just happened? And I knew what happened, but I, I was in shock. You know, I wasn't planning on dying that day. So shortly thereafter, I, I kind of rise to the, 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 the top of the treetop level, whatever that might be, 60 feet or higher. I'm still looking down at the scene. My brother-in-law is still pounding on my legs, trying to say, Bodine, Bodine. Oh, I'm sorry. I should, should explain my, my nickname was uh, Bodine at the time. And he was yelling, uh, Bodine, Bodine. He, he said, wake up. What's wrong? He said, no, God, he was going like this. My sister took off running towards the house back where she came from. And I was almost there in my trip to go tell mom. My sister and my brother-in-law were there that day because she was normally in college. So I did not expect her to come out of the driveway. Mom was uh, typically not driving uh, unless she told me otherwise that she was going to the store or something. So uh, I didn't expect her to come out. But they were going to a funeral. They were going to a funeral of uh, Bonehead or Scott's uh, grandfather. And so my sister came back from a college visit to get some funeral type clothes. So I see my sister running back towards the house. It was a pretty good run. Um, since it was out in the country and Scott was staying with my body. And so I'm watching this the whole time and, and, and praying to the Lord. Actually, I, I didn't have to speak. I didn't have any vocal cords. I could not audibly be heard, but I could speak with, with uh, God above, you know, in, within my soul and my spirit. So it's just an automatic conversation without, without audible sound. So I said to God, I said, God, I, uh, I can't leave my mom. She, she needs me. I'm all she has. Um, you know, she, there's a serious addiction problem going on. And I can't, I simply can't die. I can't leave her. Well, about that time I saw my sister within the house, found mom in the kitchen. Mom was, uh, with the, the fan was on, so it was a little bit noisy. Didn't see my sister come in. My sister started screaming and yelling at that point. Then mom turns around, Pam, what's, what's wrong? And my sister, Pam. She runs in and she tells mom because she's crying. She's in shock. She's panicking. Her sh shoulders are bouncing because she you know, can't catch her breath. And she just ran, which was not a short run. But panic mainly was setting in. And she said, I, I have killed Jeff. And she started crying terribly loud. And her mom was uh, in shock. And she thought, I, I didn't just hear that. And mom said, Pam, oh, what? What? Did, what? And Pam says, I have killed Jeff. And mom's going, I don't under, I don't understand. And my sister said, come on, mom, follow me. And mom had a bad back, but it happened to be a good day. She was not uh, intoxicated since it was still somewhat early. So she was able to make the uh, fast walk. I really didn't see that part, uh, but she was going out the door as my sister said, follow me. And so about that time, the good Lord turned me around or my escort, if you want to call it the Holy Spirit, uh, whatever your beliefs might be, but God turned me towards heaven and I could see the sun and it was not the brightness of the sunlight. It was the brightness of the sun, our Lord and savior. And so at this point I shot up through past all the atmosphere, past all the starry skies into what, uh, we believers know is heaven. No pearly gates as we hear in the stories, at least not in my story. I was just instantly in, the, in this white environment. And um, I could see other souls. Uh, they were not dressed as we are here. It was kind of like a whitish spiritual clothing, was not a, a street type of clothing. And if I were to see you, Jeff, or somebody else, I would not know you by your, your hair or your, your eye color or anything else. I would know you by your spirit, your soul. And so I would recognize you as such, as a being of somebody I know. And so a facial likeness was not really needed, wasn't there. There, there was sort of a, a shadow effect, a white shadow effect of, of, of an image of a human image. So I could see people 
on my left and my escort was still with me and I could see people on my right and groups conversing. Everything was white. I didn't see color. I didn't see other things, but I feel like I was in the lobby to heaven and I felt like heaven extended past where I was currently in. So uh, I don't know what, uh, what the section I was in, but it was kind of the, the, the lobby to heaven, if you will. So I'm being escorted uh, past these groups. And I, I do recall one older gentleman. I was 19 at the time, and I would guess his age. And I'm terrible at guessing ages now, so probably worse than. But he was an older gentleman uh, with a beard and uh, probably was 60 years old. And he made a comment because another guy turned around. But he goes, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I know that guy. He said something about he's funny and I'm not a comedian. So I don't know what, what he meant by that. I still don't to this day. So I went on past these people and they were conversing and nobody was shocked to see a new visitor. It was just like expected. And so I'm, I'm being escorted further and further. And then we, we get to, well, I like to call it like being summons to, to court. We have to uh, go up to the bench, you know, and you're, the judges are in this case, it is uh, our creator. I did not see him. It was, a, it was veiled, it was clouded, but I was brought to this section and I could feel the presence of God in front of me and uh, probably within five or 10 feet, let's call it an arm's length uh, reach of me. And I had my escort, my escort left and went behind this veil. And uh, I, could, I could hear just the beginning of it and, uh, and God's voice was saying, I'm, a, I'm aware. So my escort was gonna maybe try to plead the case i'm not sure but but uh, it was already known so I, I didn't have to communicate anything or communicate anything what i felt and what i wanted to speak and say was already known was already said so i just stood there waiting waiting for advice or guidance and so a moment later an arm from the right hand side of the group extended out and touched me right where we would call our heart uh, our soul, whatever you might want to. And three fingers came out. And finally, one gave me this a slight, loving, warm touch. And the words, and I write this down because I don't want to forget it. But it, um, oh, let me back up the story one moment. That's why I make notes. Sorry about that, Jeff. But on my, on my way up, when I told the Lord, I, I can't leave my mother. This is the first time I heard from the Lord. And he said, uh, time will heal all wounds as eternity is promised not intended for healing here on earth, but in eternal heaven, sorrows will turn to, into joy in the house of the Lord. And so when this arm came out and touched me, at that point, it was, uh, the, the quote was, not yet, there's more work for you to do. And so as he touched me, I felt like that this was a reset button, and I was starting to, to go backwards at that point escort no longer with me. It wasn't a slow tour. I didn't see any people. It was just kind of swoosh. I was back in, into my body. So lying there on my back, uh, I understood that uh, after he said, there's no work for you to do. Then he also said, you have to finish that important project first. And I didn't know what that was. I figured that um, knowledge would come later. So I'm lying there in my body. My spirit's in my body. And I realized my physical body is not alive because my spirit is in there and I feel nothing. I couldn't feel my body, my skin. I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't see anything. I just was in nowhere land stuck within my body. And so I had another prayer to, to God. I said, God, you know, I felt like a pesky kid at that point, nagging our parents, you know, they kind of grab your shirts like, hey, I want this, I want this, I want this. And they keep speaking nonstop. And I felt like I was being a nuisance to God, you know, at this point, because here I was already back. He already gave me this gift of, of returning as I requested. And uh, so I said, Lord, to meet again, you know, you who kind of think, uh, th I thank you for returning me. I love you with all my heart. Uh, is there any way you can make me mobile to where I could be more useful? So it's kind of a selfish prayer, I guess. I didn't want to lay in that state of mind, a vegetative state of mind. So uh, I said, if not, I, I will try to deal with whatever I have. But about that time, I felt this warm, 
fluid type experience fill my body from my head to my toes. And it was like having the goosebumps. I call them God bumps, you know, all over my entire body. So I could feel the, the hair on the back of my neck still raised from the, uh, the uh, fear or the, the scare of, of the uh, wreck itself. So all of a sudden I was calmed and I could feel my body. I could feel my legs. I could start hearing things. I couldn't see and I couldn't quite move yet, but I could hear uh, Bonehead still yelling, Bodine, Bodine. I could, I realized my mom and my sister were crying and hugging each other and, and looking at my lifeless body. So it took another moment and I started moving. And of course, the three of them were, were in shock. You know, hey, he's moving. And they, you're right, you're right, stay there. You know, and I was trying to get up. And so I think the first instinct was somebody's had an accident like that. Don't move them. They may have a spinal injury, you know, it'll cause more. So they tried to keep me to lie down. And I was, I was irritated at that point. Uh, embarrassed ashamed you know what just happened and so i was mad at myself so no i'm, I'm gonna get up and walk, i'm gonna get up and walk away from this wreck and so i started to get up and they saw that they weren't going to stop me so then they grabbed my arms and helped me up and walked me around a little bit and all of a sudden their sadness turned to jumps of joy you know happiness so it was a complete swing until oh my gosh i can't believe you know what happened and so few more minutes of talking and I kind of look at the motorcycles seeing the wreck over there and the motor the truck is has some damage to the front end in a, a seat somebody brought a seat to put my head on <laughs> it had flown off the motorcycle too so it was right there where I was lying and uh, they all decided that we needed to go to the hospital at that point and I didn't feel like I needed to go to the hospital and uh, by the way I was I was uh, deaf before all this happened uh, since childhood and I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Billy Graham at the hospital when I was having my hearing checked and he prayed for me at that point. We, we held hands. So that was, that was beautiful. But I realized that everything was restored to the way it was exactly before the accident, which I say is may not have been an accident, you know, at all. And I'm still deaf in my left ear. So while I was healed, I still had this, this, uh, this handicap, you know, that I've had all my life. So I didn't ask for extras. <laughs> You know, so I, I was happy for being able to walk and, uh, and uh, move around. So they decided that I needed to go to the hospital, which was about 15, 20 minute drive from the country to little town. I did not think I needed to go because I, I knew what just happened and I felt fine. But I thought, how am I going to tell them what just happened? You know, so this, this is a story that's difficult to tell today with, with an expert like you, Jeff. And I again, appreciate your help. So I just said, OK, so they went and got another car. And we drove around the wreck and made our way to the hospital. And mom was driving at that point. Thank, thank God she was sober. And she was cutting through gas stations and trying to speed as quick as she, even though I didn't have any obvious injuries. My head where I hit on top of this truck did not even have an injury. I was not bleeding anywhere. Their fear was uh, internal bleeding or some other kind of uh, a spinal cord accident or injury. And so we finally get to the emergency room in this small town and uh, go past people with their arms hurt and things on their face and ice. <laughs> they look like they were really in pain. But here I wasn't. But they rushed us up to the uh, desk, the nurse at the desk. What's going on? My sister told the story. She immediately took me back to the ER. You know, it, I don't know if she took, got a wheelchair or not, but I remember moving towards the ER. I think I walked. And so we get into the ER room and uh, uh, these other patients were not being attended to. And I walked past them. So I felt sort of guilty, but uh, I get in there and the doctor, what's going on? A uh, motorcycle accident, head on into a truck. Jeff was not wearing a helmet. And uh, so the doctor started looking in my ears and my eyes and my, my throat and feeling, where'd you get hit? You know, everybody pointed up here. And so then he finally asked for my, my family to leave and uh, he was asking me questions like name and birthday. He didn't know the answers, but he was just trying to see if I could uh, answer any kind of question, whether it's right or wrong, trying to check my consciousness. So he kept looking, kept checking the legs and back and everything and told him the story, what happened. He did one more thorough check. And then he said, if you don't mind, I'm going to go back into the waiting room and talk to your family. So he goes out and talks to the family. I do have a, an image here, Jeff. Uh, one of the uh, doctors there, and then while I was sitting waiting for him on the uh, hospital bed, I had the crinkly white uh, paper making little noises. It was, it was very surreal. It was very quiet. It was just me praying and the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit felt 
So I had this image of the uh, water into wine and it, uh, somehow related to mom's addiction. And I didn't quite understand the message. I was you know, still in shock from everything else, but that has uh, since become a uh, puzzle piece or a tapestry of the, the uh, divine plan of my life, uh, of which I may share at a later date. But the doctor comes back in with his arms crossed and just kind of looks at me and then he comes over to me and on the uh, examining table or the bed, he puts his hands on each one of my knees and leans into me, says, uh, Jeff, do uh, you believe in God? I say, yes, I do. And I start tearing up then. I will right now, Jeff, but I, I'll, I'll try to speak through it here. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for filling my heart. So I told the doctor, I said, yes, I believe in God. He said, uh, do you believe in miracles? And I sort of grinned at this point because I realized that he and I were on the, on the same page. So yes, I believe in miracles. And then uh, sort of like my escort to God, I, I didn't need to explain anymore. We, we, we both just knew. And he says, well, I find nothing wrong with you and seeing that there's no injuries. I'll let you go on your way. He says, uh, but be careful on, on your journey. So with that, I parted from the uh, emergency room in the uh, doctor's office. So on the way, way home, the ride was uh, very quiet. I think somebody said, are, are you hungry? You know, and I said, no, not really. And I was just, just kind of looking out the window and mom was driving and the sister, my brother-in-law did not know he had to attend the funeral. So it's just my, uh, my mother and my sister. <clears throat> so it was real quiet on the, on the way back. And, uh, my sister later uh, helped me try to tell the story and wrote a uh, witness statement. But um, that's, that's what I remember. And so I, I was a Christian before the accident. I call myself non-denominational and uh, I've become closer and closer and filled with the Holy Spirit ever, ever since this event. Jeffrey, thank you for sharing your experience with us. When did you tell your mother and your sister about the experience in heaven? Oh, that's a great question. It probably was, and I'm not real good at time frames, but let's call it a month. It wasn't a day. It wasn't a week. It wasn't uh, six months or a year. But sometime after this, uh, I wanted to hold a, I didn't want to. I, I felt nudged by the, by the Holy Spirit to hold an intervention for mom. And so in doing so, I didn't even know what the word intervention meant at the time. And everybody tried everything over those years of my childhood. But I invited uh, my sister to speak with her on one day. And I had to hide all the, uh, the chemicals and, uh, the, from mom, you know, so she could be somewhat sober. But yet I didn't want to hide everything because I knew there was a, a health risk. So one day I would have my sister come and talk. And then I invited my grandmother who was always worried uh, about mom and always made me promise and she had this nervous habit of going but 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 you know Jeffrey promised me you'll never leave your mother and so she'd call daily and ask how she is and none of us had to answer and so finally uh, I had a minister over and a doctor over and on the last day I had my school counselor over because my school counselor was such a sweet lady she had a very uh, rough reputation if you will people called her a bad name and I did not. And so she helped me uh, as I was graduating. And she came over and told mom the difficulties I had and that Jeff really did not pass high school. She goes, what do you mean? You didn't pass high school. I was at his graduation. His dad even came from out of town. We, we saw him graduate. She goes, yes, he did graduate. She said, but he told me the story and he would miss so much school. I had him go to a, like a recovery class for children of addicts without naming a name brand group, uh, children of addicts. And it was a Christian based group. She said, I had him go to that. And he, he didn't go to any other classes, but I gave him an honorary passing because I felt he deserved it. And so this, this lady not only helped me pass then she gave me a report card that she made up. She kind of did an average thing. So that if I ever wanted to go to college, which I went twice, didn't work out, I would have a report card to report rather than just HPs or a failure report card. So she was so sweet, so kind. And she told mom how not only is she affecting her own life in a negative way, 
but she is her children as well. And that she saw that directly from me. Mom at that point, through the Holy Spirit intervention, through all these beautiful people with loving, warm hearts, became clean and sober for the next 35 years until she went to meet her maker. So I, I think that's why I call it no accident at all. I think it was intentional. I still at my older age don't know exactly what it means, but I, I did have a conversation with a man in the parking lot just the other day, if I could share that with you, Jeff, he was asking, so do you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit? I said, often, often. He said he wanted some more information. So I told him, uh, and I wrote this down as well. I said, the Holy Spirit can be a short distance from us and around us and ignored. People not pay attention to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be near and around us. Some people get close. Or the Holy Spirit can be within us, within our heart, our souls, and our minds. And with that, I can't be more grateful. So during the intervention, is that when you told your sister and your mother what really happened on the other side? Yes, that is when it was shared. And they, they were not surprised because they knew something happened that saved me. And especially the doctor that was looking at my head where I should have an injury, found nothing. And so that I, I can only attribute it to being caught. So once I was caught, you know, and then I asked for healing in addition, I think, I think any, uh, any uh, injuries were, were uh, erased, were restored at that point. So I did share with mom at that point. So mom has now had four or five different witnesses and heard this story. And then my school counselor, you know, with, with her uh, closing statements, it, it was just a, a moment that she realized, yeah, this snuck up on me. And I didn't realize what was happening. She realized the marriage was broken. And then beautiful, beautiful moment uh, uh, about a few months after that, mom had regained her weight to a, a beautiful size and her face was freshened up and she no longer was dragging her head around. And so I called dad from the other town. I said, Dad, I want you to come over to the farm, need some work, and you know we could use some money, and I'll tell you what. Why don't you just tell me he was kind of upset because of the whole situation. Nice, loving man, but a little bit rough towards me, or at least that's the way I felt. Why don't you just tell me what it is? I'm busy running a business over here, and you know, do you have a list? And I said, I'd rather just tell you in person. So I said, how about, how about tomorrow, you know, at 1 o'clock? Well, all right, I'll stop what I'm doing, and I'll come. <laughs> Oh, I thought, you're my dad, you ought to be here. You know, I just shouldn't have to make an appointment. But that's not the way this family was. It was dysfunctional. So he comes the next day, and I can see him coming around this long driveway that Ryan had this accident some time before. And uh, gets out of the car, and I was expecting this beach moment that you see, you know, a couple, one's over here, and one's over here, and they're running towards each other with arms, you know, so happy, and dress is flowing, and sand is flying from the sandals, and they're going to have this big embrace and it's going to be beautiful and sun's going to set and it's going to be you know lived happily ever after he didn't that didn't happen <laughs> so he gets out of his car kind of slams the well i'm here what is it boy oh this is going to be tougher <laughs> what i thought it was going to be i said well i just i just wanted to tell you about the house but we can talk about that later he said but i i told him i said i want to i want to introduce you to my mother he says your mother i know your mother I've known her for, you know, however many years it had been up to that point. I see, I know. I said, uh, mom, come on out. And she was behind the wall in a beautiful pink dress and mid-length heels and happy, smiling. Her hair was done and not the way he saw her. It kind of looked like, like a, a person living on the street, you know, before. And she comes out and this radiant beauty and dad just kind of looks at her. Her name is Gloria. Gloria, kind of like he couldn't believe it was her. He hadn't seen her like this in 10 years, maybe. And so again, here come my tears, you know, flying down. And so I thought, all right, I got to leave. So I, I got an old pickup truck and drove off, came back uh, a few hours later. And mom informs me at that point that uh, she and dad are going to try to make the marriage work. And she's going to move to the other farm property that they had you know, in another city. I was to stay there and try to sell this property and get it ready. So 
I hate to end the story with it ended happily ever after, but it, it ended happily ever after. So that, that was beautiful. And I attribute everything to the, the glory of God. You know, without such, there wouldn't be a story. And again, it's not about me. It's about the, it's about him. How do you think the course of your life changed after this experience? That's a beautiful question. Um, I can only answer it from the one life I've had, so I can't compare it to anything else. But I can say that there's been multiple uh, Holy Spirit moments in my life where I realized the Lord has put me there for a reason to share the love and to glorify him and to, to teach the word, you know, in that case. So I sort of follow that divine nudging around and sometimes it's aimlessly. Um, but if I feel it, I just do it. And, uh, so I've been, I've been so uh, blessed to have this ability and to share. And, and then again, to th- thank you, Jeff, because with the, the uh, invention of the internet and all this kind of stuff that we're able to share these testimonies and I am doing it in a church uh, this Sunday. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to do it on a hometown level, but he's changed my life in the way that I am a representative and not perfect. I'm far from perfect. I've had many uh, uh, troubles, trials, tribulations in my life, but that's all part of uh, the learning and growing experience. So I feel like I'm uh, led, you know, in, in most cases and throughout life. So it's changed me that way by giving me a, a purpose. So I've, I'm working still on that purpose. I thought this uh, would be easy to explain. It's not been easy. So it's been a couple of years in the making of trying to explain the purpose, but I'll, I'll still work on that. If it develops a little further, I'll let you know, but uh, I'm just so, uh, so honored to be able to, to, to work with him and to do the Lord's work. Since your experience, it appears that you have ability to connect with the Holy spirit. Have you noticed that you have any other abilities as well? No, but I do feel that, that, the Holy spirit presents somebody and puts them in front of me. And then all of a sudden my brain is racing and I'm in, I'm in quiet prayer while this person's in front of me sharing whatever they're sharing. And uh, I can feel the presence and it, it's, it's, uh, it's so pleasing when I feel the presence of the Holy spirit stirring within me, it's just sort of the God bumps all over me again. I realize that the person I'm speaking with is going to feel it too. And so we continue in our conversation. And finally I see their, their face or their expression change. So I say, have you ever felt the presence of the Holy spirit? And they go, I'm feeling something right now. I got goosebumps all over me. And I said, let's, let's take a moment and pray and thank him for visiting in our conversation. And one guy, I love this man, Doug, if you ever see this, we were at a factory and I asked him a question that I, I really didn't, have prior knowledge of his uh, personal life. And it just came out. I won't say what the question was. We all, we all have our issues. I have mine too. So I looked at him and he's, he's this tough guy. He's with another tough guy at the table. And I might be the, you know, the, the not as tough as those two guys. <laughs> so he started crying. And I asked him, I said, so, you know, about God, he started crying. And the other guy kind of looked at him what is wrong with you? And hit him on his arm. <laughs> Straighten up. What do you, you look like a, you're crying, look like a blabbering idiot over there. He goes, he goes, no. He says, there's something with Jeff. And I, I said, Doug, it's, it's not with Jeff. It's not with Jeff at all. I said, I shared something that uh, the Holy Spirit wanted you to hear. I said, but it, it is the Holy Spirit. And I said, let's, let's go outside and talk for a minute. And so this man is wonderful and kind and he invited me up to church. I need to get up there. I'm, about uh, three hours removed from that location where I used to be, but a wonderful man. And so I just love the fact that uh, the Lord likes to touch people with me and through me. And sometimes I'm touched, you know, by the other person too, that, that goes, goes both ways. So I, I definitely have opened a door to the Holy spirit where some, you know, keep that door uh, closed. Can you explain or define the Holy spirit in a way for someone who's not religious or Christian to understand it? Uh, the toughest question yet, Jeff. Um, I cannot explain it outside of my Christian views. So I'll give you my Christian view of such. Uh, in the Holy Bible, uh, from Jewish scriptures to uh, King James Version, we, we learn about God. And God is omnipresent. 
God is in heaven. God can be here. God can be in our conversation. So the Bible describes such as the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he was here on earth, inseminated uh, Mary by the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus explains, when I leave, I will leave behind a comforter. And I don't know what verse it is. I don't memorize it. I've read the Bible. Don't memorize verses. He says, I will leave behind. God will, the Father will provide. The Holy Ghost, I think they call it. And so some of the Hebrew to Greek to Latin uh, transliterations change. I like to call it spirit because the word ghost has sometimes a negative uh, connotation. So I, I call it spirit. So I think the King James goes with Holy Ghost. But Jesus says that he will leave the Holy Ghost behind. And so Jesus doesn't use a certain word that's thrown around in religion today. But he says that I and the, fi- I and the Father are, are one. So he explains that this Holy Spirit will be in his place. So as a, an old analogy, if you have a glass of water, you can freeze that water and it becomes ice. You can heat that water over a stove and it becomes steam yet it's still water. So there's three elements without using the religious terms, three elements to this one entity. So the Holy Spirit is God. He's not in his uh, visible uh, formation. If there is one, nobody's seen God. Uh, He's not with Jesus. Jesus has had his own um, responsibilities and, and portions and will again. And so the Holy Spirit is God three in the one. So I explained the Holy Spirit as God's presence, not visible, but uh, can be felt within, within, the, within the body, spiritual. Could you explain it as being the energy of God? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would say emphatically, it is God. It is God. It's God as he will allow us to feel him and see him. And as I went to heaven, it was not allowed to see God, I felt him. So I was within the presence of God. The Holy Spirit was within me as I was present there. So, um, and it can be to anybody, uh, another man, if I can get off topic just a moment at our factory I worked at a couple of years ago, studied his Bible. We talked Bible all the time when I wasn't too busy working on cars. And they tell me, how come, uh, God speaks to you and he doesn't speak to me. I read the Bible. I say, well, you, you read it probably more than I do. You probably know it better than I do. <laughs> so anyway, the, the bell, the bell rang. He was kind of mad. We love each other. You know, but it's a challenge, you know, kind of thing. We were both same age and uh, grumpy old man, if you will. <laughs> so he, uh, the, the bell rings. And so I, Hey, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. So we see each other. It's a long walk in this huge factory. It goes for miles. And uh, I see him coming down the, the lane. And I'm going this way and there's fork trucks and other kind of traffic there kind of splitness. And so I'm on like this sidewalk on the side of the street. And he's on that. So even though it's inside the factory and he's on the other side, and Hey, Jeff, he's waving like that. I mean, I, I see him and I act like I don't. <laughs> so I, I keep on. <laughs> I sort of felt bad. It was hard for me to do without cracking a smile. And so I get a little closer and I'm deaf in my left ear and he knows this Jeff and he yells a little bit louder. And he's, I'm over here. You know, he's going like that. This time I look at him in the eyes and he's across the thing. And I can't get there anyway because forklifts and you can't go, you know, near passing the lights won't let you kind of thing. So I look right at him and I look away with a straight face and I keep walking. So eventually he's past me and he's frantically, I, he yells one more time. I have to around and look at him. And he's going like this, like, Hey, can you not see me? So anyway, he goes on his way and about halfway through the, uh, uh shift eight hour shift about four hours later he's his rotation comes back to my area so here he comes he slaps me on the shoulder like that spin me around in a circle <laughs> mad at me for not speaking to him and i looked at him in the eyes two or three times what's up with you he was getting mad and his voice was getting you know fist clenched up i don't think he was going to hit but he, he was angry said, what do you mean you just ignored me the whole time and i know you saw me because you looked at me two or three times and you know he's thinking my hearing thing what excuse could jeff have he goes, that's funny. Or I, told him, I said, that's funny. I said, yeah. so how did it make you feel? I, well, I felt like I was ignored. Here we have this relationship and you're ignoring me the whole time. And I'm waving at you, talking to you and everything. You're just not paying any attention to me. I said, 
You ever wonder if that's the way the Lord feels about you? He walked away and he was obviously crying, you know, because it hit him. And then he realized that he knew the Bible. He studied the word, but he's never answered the call. He's never answered the door. And so he, he came back, you know, with a tearful face. And I just gave him a hug. He gave me a hug. And he says, I get it. I get it. So it has to be a, t- a two-way street, a two-way conversation. It's there for whosoever will. I love that word in the Bible, whosoever will. Some will not. But that word is in John 3.16 and many other places. So my friend, he is a whosoever will at this point. So uh, I, love, I love hearing news from him. Has the memory of the experience in heaven faded over time, or is it still as real today as the day it happened? It was just as real as the day it happened all the way. So we're talking 35 years. It's plus that now. 35 years. It was like it happened yesterday. And then when I've made notes to write about this and uh, to share it, I didn't add any details, but it just brought back some uh, clarity and maybe more from my, my spiritual understanding. So it never left. It was like it was yesterday. And uh, I never hope, I hope it never leaves. I don't think it will, you know, because again, it's within these. So uh, very prevalent in my memory. What do you think inspires you about your experience? You know, I've, I've had some uh, tough uh, business challenges throughout my life. Uh, bought a furniture factory that was losing money when I was 20 some years old. I guess like I had no fear of speed, faster, faster till the thrill of speed overcomes the fear of death. I fear nothing because I know my demise. And in fact, I'm doing a little bit of writing now that's not uh, publicly known, but it's uh, the title is What Will Your Epitaph Say About You? And for people who don't know what epitaph is, uh, what a saying might be on your headstone. Now, some of us aren't gonna have headstones either, cremation or whatever. What will the uh, flyer say about your funeral service? What will people say if there is no funeral service? Your epitaph, what will it say about you? And so I love that because uh, people start thinking. I don't ask them to answer me. In fact, I tell them don't. I said, well, what, what will your epitaph say about you? They go, I don't know. About two weeks later, they come back. And, you know, I've been thinking about that as well. Please don't tell me. But it, it also has uh, sorrows will turn into joy, the words I heard from the Lord. And then uh, it's about being lost found and saved and so that seems to be uh, an inspiration and something that's stayed with me in memory so I I keep adding to uh, this repertoire if you will of of, uh, God moments you know and direction of of serving him so I I fear um, nothing you know because I know I know by being a a believer as uh, John 14 6 says and I won't quote it but um, he is the light. So I've, I've seen the light. I, I, had, I knew that beforehand. But having had this experience, there, there's no doubt whatsoever. I just want to let you guys know that Jeff sent me his sister's statement about the accident. But it's actually read by somebody else. But I'm going to play that for you now. My memory is from May 1981. I was driving an old truck of Scott's, a.k.a. Bonehead, to my parents' residence. The driveway was long and had a big curve. We were picking up clothes for me to attend his grandfather's funeral. As I approached the curve, I saw my brother Jeff riding a motorcycle at an excessive speed, and he was heading towards me. I didn't really have time to avoid the impact, but I still tried to react. At the time of the collision, I saw him hit the front of the truck. Next, he became airborne and hit the windshield. I then noticed he was not wearing a helmet. Bonehead and I were panicky as we saw him lying on the driveway, unresponsive. I ran the rest of the way up the driveway to tell my mother what happened. I cried and told her that I thought the accident killed my brother. I was in tears. Scott stayed with Jeff as he was still unresponsive. He, at some point, was successful at waking up my brother as my mother and I arrived. I know it was really God who delivered my brother back to us. We took Jeff to the hospital to get checked out in the nearby town. To our surprise, the ER doctor gave us a great report. We were fearful because Jeff couldn't see when he was awakened. The grace of God didn't intend for him to leave this world at that time. These are the memories of that day. Pamela. Oh, that's wonderful, Jeff. I appreciate that. All right, Jeffrey. After 
watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chat with you. Are you open to that? Yes, I am. And you have my email rather than going through all the letters. Uh, maybe you could share that or post it. I'd be glad to answer. Okay. And uh, share in fellowship with anybody who has questions or uh, maybe I have questions of them. Mm-hmm. So I would love to share in that fellowship with them. You showed us a copy of your book that you're working on. Is there anything else that you're working on that you want us to know about? In the, what I call the book project, it's called Mom War. I made up the word because it was my mother's war. Mom War, the memoir. And in this memoir, I share this uh, near-death experience. It's chapter 12 in the book. Um, the project I'm working on now is this song. And it's only going to be a course section because like the Amazing Grace uh, reference I used, I only heard a small part of it. So I am going to uh, create this song possibly this summer. And it is going to be uh, called Lost, Found, and Saved. And in the chorus section will be the music that God played for me. So I'm going to finish that and then uh, do some more uh, writing, but um, that's as my factory job permits and stuff, but, uh, and then share uh, on the internet with kind people like you and then also in the local churches. So my message will become stronger when, when that is all complete. So I appreciate you asking and that, that work will go forward and hopefully f- faster than it has been the last five years. I've not been real quick on getting some of these things done. Well, once you have the book published and the song published, just send me links to those and I'll put them in the description of the podcast. I'd love to, Jeff. And how's your singing voice? Because I'm looking for a couple, three different parts. It's not that good. I think you want people to represent your song much better. So I don't think I'm the right candidate for you. I'm not going to be singing in it either. I will get some (laughs) professionals that will do so. But thank you again for your time in this. Mm -hmm. It's heartfelt and such a blessing to meet you and to share the the glory of God. All right. Well, before you go, can you leave us with one last positive message? Open the door. Answer the call. It's the door's knocking. The phone's ringing. And God's waiting. That's a great message. Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us today. I really appreciate you, and I wish you the best. If I could give you a hug, I would, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara Podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.